This podcast is supported by Siemens, your partner for industrial grade AI. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of our Industrial AI podcast. My name is Robert Weber, and it's a pleasure to talk to Peter Sieber. Good morning, Robert. Good afternoon, morning, night, wherever you guys and women. Guys is the term we always <clears throat> had at Intel, I believe, but guys meaning whoever, whoever is our listener around the world. Peter, let's talk about AI in the forest. AutoML X AutoML and TEP PFN, what did you learn last week? Explain first, starting at the beginning, what does that mean, AI in the forest? <laughs> AI in the forest is our event format. So last week we met with, I think, 30 people. Mm, right, yeah, 32. 32 people at Arburg in the beautiful Black Forest. Arburg is a machine building company injection molding machines and we met there with 32 people and discussed three main topics auto ml some x auto ml and industrial approaches and tap pfn and the the format is like we have one input this time by professor dr frank hutter from university of freiburg about auto ml And then we had an input on TAP-PFN by Noah and Sam. And then we had an input by Professor Dr. Marco Huber from Fraunhofer IPA on X-Auto ML and industrial approaches. And then you can explain more what is the next step then. Certainly. Um, and we call it AI in the forest. You said Black Forest. This was the third event that we did. And the first one we started in your town and it was in a monastery right in a monastery right <laughs> yeah we were not always i was not always clear about the english term of cloister monastery <laughs> cloister and then the second one we went into the alps and that's how now the third we call ai in the forest and we have already been thinking about what number four five six are going to be ai at the sea ai whatever in italy is the option We're going to see. We're going to see how we're going to call it, right? Okay. Yeah. Well, you already mentioned. Yes. I mean, our our overall topic of the day was. It's almost like at a higher level, like democratizing democratization of machine learning, right? So as I said at at the beginning, you know, talking to our participants, and they are. You know, there's a handful of participants this time also that go a little bit deeper than the other ones. In general, they're all of them, you know, machine learning, AI, generative AI decision makers. So I said, you know, it's about making machine learning available for the less technical decision maker attendees and your colleagues because they're decision makers they're going to see and that's what we're going to talk about right maybe we start with the first one you know auto ml no, i want to add something please do because to understand the format it's very important that after the inputs by frank by noah and by marco then we collect topics by our participants and we collect them write them down on a whiteboard and then we are going to build three groups And these three groups then can discuss their topics and is without PowerPoint. So they have to work and they have to engage and they have to be creative and develop ideas. And I think that's unique in the market. Yes, yes, I guess so. I mean, the, the way that we concentrate it, yes. I mean, I think there's events where the main tracks are typical PowerPoint, you know, hours of conference, which I... 
yeah, I have my opinion about. <laughs> and then every now and then you're going to have a, a breakout session. We do it from the beginning uh, with our PowerPoint. There was one exception, but okay, exception confirming the rule. So if we then look at maybe what did we, what did the attendees, what did we hear back from them? Because at the end we do a big uh, feedback session where you and I and the participants learn. So the first one is AutoML. Let's talk about first about AutoML. Yeah, because I was totally surprised because uh, Frank at the beginning saw the advantages of his approach mostly in in speed up and simplification but then when we had the discussions in the groups we maybe developed completely new auto ml approaches because we had a mixture you mentioned a mixture of managers like Jochen from KSB but also data scientists like like uh, Stefan from Herrenknecht and Stefan said at some point I like to play around with this modeling. I don't want to give it away because that's an interesting part of my daily work to play with this model. And then we had a discussion because Fabian from Beckhoff thought that AutoML should be used as an inspiration for the data scientist guy. Can you understand why? Oh, yeah, most certainly. Yeah, inspiration. I think at the beginning, you know, just before lunch, when we quickly have uh, everybody introduce themselves, you know, very quickly, he talked already about his interest, why, why he's there. And I think he used the word ideation, you know, so inspiration, ideation. Why? Yeah. I mean, and it's very similar almost. That's, but that's another topic I come to a moment like what is the advanced data analysis from OpenAI? But that's a separate topic. We shouldn't forget. It's very important because you take a data set, you give it to the tool AutoML and you click on a button. And then you're going to see. And depending how powerful your notebook or your, your maybe your your local server is, you know, a couple of minutes later, you're going to see. You're going to look at if there is something in the data which is going to help you further. That's what this is about. And maybe then you say, "Oh, this is not it." Maybe and maybe you can give it a second or third try, even by looking at other pieces, other elements, not a subcategory of the data, whatever. But I think that's what this is. So it's not about, you know, you come in Monday morning, uh, whatever, 7, 8, 9 a.m., and you, you start thinking, and then maybe a week later or maybe a month later, that's that's not untypical. Or maybe two or three months later, you're going you're gonna to have an idea on, oh, we did everything that we, we tried, but this time it was not the right thing. That's what you're going to get with these tools within five minutes. And then you, you can move on and you can move on and you can move on. And the fourth time you do the same thing. So after one hour, then you see, oh, look at that. Oh, who would have thought that? And then you take project number four. And that's what you then can start uh, working on further. But I want to add something because his idea is that they are involved in a day-to-day -day business and hardly notice what new approaches are available and AutoML could provide inspiration and suggestions to new approaches in data science or in modeling. That was his idea also to, to think about, oh, we can't read every new paper that comes out, but it's part of the AutoML tool I use. And then I have inspiration to try different approaches. 
at least as far as I stand, because again, we come later. I think that the third one, Marco, is the X um, uh, AutoML, and he has been looking at different categories of users. That's another thing we look at later. And I would be maybe not, maybe I would, would even be like a fourth category. Like, you know, I've been like a project manager of these kind of projects. So I have enough understanding of all the elements, but they, they do not go very deep. So then, uh, in my understanding, at least with AutoML, you know, looking at all the, let's say, relevant algorithms that under the hood and then what comes out is this one specific maybe whatever it is you have never been able to look at this one specific approach this algorithm you know because you never had the time and then out of a hundred different relevant if they're all 100 relevant well, i don't know maybe only 10 relevant and then comes out this new one let's say it's transformer you know, it's another idea because you've never have been able to look at Transformer. You, you recall Julian has been building his Transformer himself, right? And then you think, oh, wow, that's interesting. You know, I never had the time to look into Transformers. But that's a piece of technology under the hood of AutoML. And also AutoML, so the guys, the team, you know, there is a Katharina Engsberger as well here in TAP FN, for example, PFN. Again, when I say guys, I mean it's the US term of men and women. So, so when they look into it, they will put always the latest, greatest algorithm under the hood. And, and that's, that's probably then what I think what Fabian meant, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting to have an inspiration to learn. And that's the second point, AutoML as a training tool for people. As you mentioned before, train the, the people in your company. Yeah, I'm not sure. We're moving slowly into the second one because there, exactly, I think it was Noah, right? Noah was showing if we then move into the second one, which is this TAPFN, which is, it's a trained transformer that can do supervised classification, small tabular data sets. I think they're, they're looking at the limitations at the moment. And he was exactly showing, I believe it was the, the combination of two different approaches. So one is then the TAPFN capability very similar to, I believe, built on top of because it is out of the house of Frank, uh, so to say, a capability to do an automated approach on tabular data in this case. And then what he was doing, right, the, the demo he was showing is was he was putting a GPT-4 kind of user interface in front of it and making it even even easier for, and then I would say typically the third category that we talk about later, the domain expert that we've been talking about now for years and always have said, okay, the domain expert is going to be able to look into his or her data. You know, you're in charge of the data in the production line. Maybe you're in charge of an MES system. It's your data. And now you can do even a lot more with it. I mean, having said that, I'm sure that all the MES providers are going to do something similar, going to build something similar on top of their MES system as well. Yeah, I come back to TAP PFM because I think we all had to bite the bullet on this one, right? So Noah and Sam are still limited to a few thousand data points, I think, or what, thousand, I think, but want to get to 10,000 soon. But however, there's a limitation and it was at the beginning, very difficult to develop an idea of using TAP PFM for industrial approaches, right? Yeah, I think it had to do, which again then came later on in the, the third uh, session that I went to with Marco. That was one of the topics relative to time series. 
And I already seen, oh no, that was actually on the second day when Marco, he's the, he does that typically every morning like you and I, he wrote already his feedback from the first day. Yeah. <laughs> so when we went into our session, I suggested, let's look at what, what the other groups said yesterday. <laughs> so one of the points that they had written down is how can it be? There is this, I'm not sure what the word is, incongruence. I mean, our world, our industrial data world is like almost 100%, oh, should I say that, 90% time series. And and then why is there that that was the hypothesis? Why is there so little solutions around a time series available? I couldn't follow that completely. I, let's say I couldn't agree. But then I'm not the specialist. You know, I should have been able to ask people that really know the deal. But then again, I guess Marco is one of those persons who said, you know, it's not. It wasn't clear at all why we don't. And I think that is uh, that from the beginning, top PFN has not been pointed uh, towards uh, time series data. So there was all kinds of discussions then. Can we then put the tabular data into into vectors, embed them uh, in a very similar way? But that's a piece of the discussion we had there. Yeah, and there was one idea by Fabian from Harvey Hydraulics. He said, maybe we can use TAP-PFN because I have tabular data on processes and production planning or something like that. So there are ideas and I think there's an exchange between science and our participants. And that's our idea to get in touch, to talk to each other and to develop more ideas, I think. And we are successful with that, right? Oh yeah, most certainly. That's an, again. I'm, I'm mentioning so many topics we have to talk about, but that was another one that we should not forget later on. Is that we came back again to this uh, industrial data foundation model, which you are maybe not aware of because it was in my group. Yeah, it's so we can exchange it now as well. But maybe for closing off, then or move, we have moved closely into the third one, which was then the XAUTOML, right? No, I want to add something on AUTOML because we missed two things. So there was also an idea. The third idea was also new to Frank Hutter and his team because it was, again, Fabian from Harvest said, AutoML could also be used to formalize and standardize and document development processes. Oh, right, yeah. Because in the moment, it's always a little bit like, oh, I do it like this and I do it like this and here a bit and there a bit. And now we AutoML can help you to formalize this process. yeah. And then, at this point, Boris from Siemens came in and developed the idea further and linked it to the AI Act with the AutoML approach as a helpful tool for the certification process. And then Frank wrote very hard, so he noted everything, because this is a totally new approach, I think, yeah. Yeah, and it is related. I wasn't in that session. It is related then to the third when we come to it later on, the X AutoML, because that was used by, I think, PhDs in Marco's team to kind of break open, you know, the algorithm and, and even, you know, AutoML, you know, automating from, you know, from the point of gathering I mean, almost along the, the crisp DM, you know, what is your goal? Where's your data? Model the data and always looking back. And, and from that perspective, looking at what will be possible there. Absolutely. You want to come back to OpenAI, you said. Oh, that was one year. Wow, that was, I'm not sure we went into the, there was actually many topics and it is as, as is now <laughs> that we didn't discuss everything, I believe. But what's so interesting to me 
And I was looking back this morning. I didn't find, actually, because if you look at the original paper by Frank Hutter, together with Lars Korthoff, you remember, Wyoming, and Joaquin, if that's how the name uh, you pronounce his name, Van Schoren. He's from Eindhoven. Yeah. Not sure. He's related then to who you're going to do an interview with very soon? With Jakub Tomczak. With Jakub, yeah, right. So, But Jakub is not Joaquin. But I could imagine that they are, you know... Uh, are still working or have been working in the same department. So if you go back there, that's 2018, right? That's what they published that paper. Oh, and you recall that I did a, an interview with Lars at that time. I couldn't find it this morning myself. I think it was, it might have been actually, well, 2019 then. I think it was the first year that we did still the podcast in German. So four, five years, and maybe the development has been longer, six, seven, eight years of AutoML. And then now, since only two months, we have what was called code interpreter. You know, I was preparing for two weeks, you know, Berlin machine learning week. And that's where I'm doing a breakout session. And on, and the topic is presented as code interpreter because that was the, what it was called at the time, right? We should maybe update it. My point is, you know, and now from a complete different perspective from the OpenAI perspective through this, what at the meantime is called advanced data analysis, you have kind of two different approaches. Although, as I was saying, you know, Noah was putting the one, so the open AI type of chat GPT user interface in front of the other. But then inside of uh, OpenAI, there is a similar. So you, you have the user interface and you do the same thing. You know, you, you provide your, your data set and op the, the chat GPT is uh, is walking you through, says, okay, I found the following thing. What should I do for you? I think we went, and that is so interesting that it's always when you look back in history and you and I are looking into a potential project there, it's always when you look back, you see that from at different points uh, around the world, um, you know, people, research, scientists come to a certain solution, maybe with different approaches. Uh, and that's what I think is happening here as well. And it's, it's interesting because Frank Hutter was not afraid of this tool of open AI and this code interpreter. He said, yeah, that's, that's maybe the first step. And in combination with AutoML, it's automated data science at the end, right? Yeah, I didn't get that. I wasn't part, but yeah, sure. I mean, whenever we talk about open source, I mean, he's in the very center of it. And for that reason, it's always like when you're in, you know, in the open source, and you know, you know that better than I with a separate podcast that you run. Sure, if somebody else is doing something similar, and not even it's not even um, for the open source, whatever you do in, a, in an open market, you know, and somebody else comes, does some, but I'm sure, yes, the difference is that if I look into a data set using the advanced data analysis, I get, as it says, Uh, the results of analysis out of it. I can see, I can look at correlation charts, I can look at the, the number, I can look maybe at the quality, I can do many, many, many initial things, get a feeling for my data set. I can even do some modeling as well, but I never see how it works. It's always a passive, That's but it's it, that's nice and good, I must say. It takes me by the hand. What do you want to do? I can do A, B, C, D, E, well, but let's do E. Uh, I don't need to know it. And then the AutoML, it is an automated step-by-step. -step. There is an overlap, I think, but as Frank, uh, knowing, I guess, Bose says, there is a difference in the approach. You mentioned market, and I think that's a good point, because why are there no successful 
AutoML products in the industrial field. That was discussed, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I ask you, what is your opinion? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be able to give you a good answer on that one. I think I heard that somebody was saying in one or two of the platforms, there is a piece kind of embedded into it. So I think uh, whatever you recall our attendees were saying is probably more useful. Yeah, it, one problem was the limitation of some tools. They are limited and it's very difficult to, to use. To oh. use, yeah. Uh -huh. The limitation is one topic. And another topic is that maybe it's the people don't know about this tool. Yeah, right. Are not familiar with this tool, familiar with this technology, what could be what could be done and what is the idea, yeah. Sure. And that's, of course, what Frank is very much interested in. I don't recall when we went through presenting him or he himself uh, presenting him, but what I recall that a couple of years ago, he has been working for Google. I'm not sure that he was in Silicon Valley doing that. And, and I strongly recall what I need. I would need to check, and if this is uh, wrong, what I'm saying, we maybe cut it out. Yeah. <laughs> now, but if you're gonna if you're gonna look for AutoML, of course, one of the top search results, depending on how you do it, uh, still on Google or on Bing or through whatever, ask um, ChatGPT. You know, of course, the, the the standard work will always come up somewhere. But then, very soon, as I recall, it was very strongly related to Google at the time. Now, and I I can only confirm all the time having been in one of the the big uh, u.s big tech in this case intel marketing organizations with with loads of money if they decide to make something big you know they make it big you know if it's intel inside in that time as we did you know then everybody's gonna learn 10 years long about intel inside if they if microsoft wants you to know about you know bing and bing is now including open ai chat gpd capabilities that's what we hear about that's how what probably that is related to and as i said at the time i heard about AutoML and google and i was kind of say oh but it's not google <laughs> you know this is a european thing you know if we talk about the the, the recent history of uh, ai this is a frank hutter and uh, people around him thing but yeah maybe that's one of the one of the reasons yeah that's that's interesting what you mentioned because when i first met frank in potsdam we talked about The industrial sector, right? And Frank's industrial sector is Google, AWS, Microsoft, and the big tech companies. This is his industrial sector. And our industrial sector is Arburg, Trumpf, Have, Beckhoff, Siemens, whatever, Herrenknecht. This is our industrial sector, right? And so it, I think it was very interesting for Frank to listen to the end users of, of a, maybe of a AutoML product because they need to use it at the end and they need to give feedback to the to the developers of the AutoML idea and his industry is in between those both and maybe there's a problem yeah they're the multiplicators yeah so i'm not sure if you recall but i think it wasn't uh, boris suggesting that he knew one or two so of course and and now i i recall when i do the the training in general about data size and at some point in time we come to to formats and platforms and libraries and this complete thing and in the end there's of course there's the hyperscalers and if you look at all of them so if you look at the hyperscalers the aws and the azure and if you look at all the libraries there's the cafe and there's the tensorflow and whatever they are there's probably 200 of 
of them, right? And if you look in the total of all of these libraries, platforms, there's there's probably two, 300 providers. So in total, there must be 500 of them, right? And some of them, like the big ones that, that, that gather all the capabilities that there are in the world, yeah, sure, they then should provide you with some kind of AutoML. And, and whose interest that is? Of course, it's Frank's interest. Now, he's a professor, uh, and depending on how he can, or with his students and PhDs, how he can drive certain things. But in the end, it's always, of course, the in this case, the hyperscalers themselves who decide what's going to be a top level. What do they? What, can you, as a user, find it? Do you need to look and go for a search AutoML, or do they put you right in your face? Yeah, and now our participants know that there are AutoML tools and they are open source and you can use it. And everybody said, yeah, I will give a try. That's interesting. That's That was very impressive for me that everything, everybody said, yeah, I will give a try. I will discuss it with my team. I will discuss this with my colleagues. So, yeah, that's our mission, right? Yeah, so, yeah, we should probably stay close. To, we're going to see maybe not all of them, but... Some of them are going to stay close, so we're going to see them again. Uh, we're communicating with them. We, we see them at other uh, places. They will be speakers at other events. So we should stay close to them and, and follow them and see how they have actually come to manage and using uh, AutoML in their own environment. And we already talked about large language models because finally, at the end of our event, we had a presentation of a patent tool in combination with a large language model by Professor Dennis Cavallucci from Strasbourg. It's called AI Augmented R&D and Werner Faulhaber, the host of the event, the manager R&D at Arburg, already used this tool by Inza and Strasbourg. We had an episode on this and I will link a video to the show notes, but the participants were also very interested in this R&D patent research tool, right? I was surprised by that. Yeah, there was a lot of discussion going on there. Yeah, yeah I guess exactly for the engineering, the design engineering people and patents is a huge, huge topic where I think when we, we discussed it in one of two of the breakout sessions as well, where, you know, sometimes they just, they don't know where to start because, you know, let's go left, let's go right, let's go to the center. And then, and then, you know, what is already there, you know? And then it was always discussed in combination with open source, you know, if it's open source and then even if it's open source, if there's something included in there. So what I sensed from the responsible people, you know, who are designing new machines and are very interested in uh, embedding artificial intelligence Intelligence, uh, specifically also Werner Fallhaber, you know, just as an idea, you know, injection molding, European market, global market, you know, where are we today? Where were they? And with including artificial intelligence inside of their machine, that is their strategy for moving forward, right? And then I've had a strong feeling that there was a Uh, there was a lot of, you know, they had, they had a big uncertainty. And that's, I think, what this tool is providing you. It's providing you with, with a deep learning-based embedded kind of search capability for looking into, you know, what patents exist on my road that I'm going forward, right? I'm thinking of going from A to B and on my path in the technologies that I'm going to be using, what is already there and what are the potentials where I could be going for a patent maybe myself, if that is my interest. 
Yeah, and this tool summarizes patents, but also, I think, scientific papers. Right, right, right. And it combines the problem and the solution. So the output is the, the problem that it's described, and then the solution out of the paper or the patent. So it was very impressive to see how good this works. I, wa I was impressed by that. Yeah, yeah. And of course, Werner was. That's why he's been uh, suggesting this uh, additional session. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, Peter. I think we discussed most of it, right? Yeah. Most of the, yeah. And it was, it was great to see everybody very happy. Uh, there were a couple of feedback. Yeah, I have one quote at the end from Professor Marco Huber of Fraunhofer IPA. I will quote, I actually found this to be the best event of the series so far. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. Thanks, Marco. Yeah. Thanks. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Marco. Thanks for having been there. Thanks to the participants, of course. Thanks to our partner, Hannover Messe. And for those of you who are now thinking, I would also like to be part of this discussion, you can apply for our next round in July 24. So send us an, an, a message by, via LinkedIn or via email, and we you can apply to our next round in July. Yeah, Which is, again, AI in the Alps, right? AI in the Alps. And the topic is simulation and we will have also one group talking about industrial projects industrial approaches and we should talk about the ai act and trustworthiness testify certification topic as well because this was a big point in the breakout sessions in my group yeah we're getting closer and closer <laughs> yeah we're getting closer and closer peter good it was a pleasure Two days AutoML, X AutoML, Tab PFN, uh, large language models. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to the, to the next event. I'm looking forward to our next podcast with Jakub from Technical University of the Eindhoven. Thank you. Be my partner in this event. I won't be able to do that without you, Peter, and your very good ideas and your feedback and your criticism on some topics. Thank you very much. <laughs> my criticism. <laughs> Thank you very much. Very good. I give that back to you immediately, Robert. We're a good team, and together with our attendees, with the people around us, yeah, we've uh, we've put together some. Very nice, interesting setup that I'm very much looking forward to doing many of them. Uh, as I said, the next one in the Alps and then who knows, AI at the sea, whatever, many additional capabilities I'm going to ask ChatGPT soon. <laughs> There's going to be looking forward to Robert. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks. Bye-bye. <laughs>